Welcome to the second season of Critical Weed Theory. I know, I know, I know. It's shocking. It's surprising. It's somewhat revolting. That's fine. Keep your shoes on. We'll, we'll get through this together. I don't have any content warnings. I don't have any spoilers. But if you do like the show, uh, you know, share it if you want. Um, and thanks a lot to our returning editor, Rebel Panda, for getting this initial mix down done. Couldn't have done this without you. And yeah, enjoy. And suffered. And now they're better. Mm-hmm. Yay! And I don't like inherently dislike any show that goes with that simplistic view. Because the idea that you can heal is a compelling one. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with making mistakes while I'm on here. Because how are you going to get better? All I'm saying is that uh, as like, as, uh, as, like uh, an artist, you will constantly be changing. And it's like a feedback loop. You will make something... And then you'll think about how that affected you. And then you will you will try and like change how you think about it to make it better, right? Whoa. Practice theory. Practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marxism. <laughs> hello. Hello, hello, hello. The classic hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome back to Welcome back to Critical Beep Theory, the show that releases once a year. It's a joke. It's a very funny joke because we came up with it because the last episode we had was more than a year ago. It's actually hilarious. We're doing great. We're doing great. Um, See, some of you might be asking, uh, I want answers. Why hasn't my third favorite anime podcast updated in so long? And the short answer I have is I, I don't owe you answers. Yeah, you don't. We don't. We don't owe you nothing. Okay. Well, that's not true. <laughs> okay, we'll be nice. We'll be nice. Um, we promise. Uh, uh, the short answer, of course, is uh, work. Um, oh yeah. Basically, just work. Um, this past year, it's been actually like literally a year. Has been a year of like major life events for the two of us that was around when we graduated from school Mm -hmm. a little bit more than a year ago and i entered the workforce fully um i started doing other things yeah i'm in um i'm in grad school uh actually should be i graduate in december so there's that that's nice but yeah, it was like I was doing grad school and then I like had a job. Okay, so technically yep. it was a part-time job. But it was one of those part-time jobs where they give you like 39 hours so that they can say it's 39.5 yeah. hours. Excuse me. Yeah. And that was annoying because then they'd be like, oh, it's Labor Day. It's a holiday. You can't work today. And I was like. Isn't an unpaid holiday just a pay cut? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> sure. So that was my life. Um, yeah, and that's in addition to like school. Yeah. So the long story short is, we have crossed the point in our lives where we're sort of, I want, I don't want to say free, but I will say relatively free, and have instead entered into the portion of our lives where labor happens constantly my body is an anvil maybe i'm the hammer optimistically i'm the hammer are you the hammer the anvil realistically i'm the anvil (laughs) oh no (laughs) 
I would say that we, we've, we've entered the point where it's like, if we want this to get done, it requires like intention and like planning. If we want this to get done properly. Yeah. Um, another underexplored part is that I was just depressed for like a year. That's not true. I was depressed for like eight months. There was like two months where I I was like fine, but I was busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that. <laughs> or really, it's like four months worth of days sprinkled around in the middle of the soup. You know, it's like ah, you know, it's one of the good bits. <laughs> one of the happy you're days. Lucky. It's like you're eating a bowl of Lucky Charms and you eat a marshmallow. Mm-hmm. This is a joke for me because I don't actually like them. You don't anyway. like Lucky Charms, or you don't like the marshmallows? No, I real. I feel like if you don't like the marshmallows, Lucky Charms as a whole isn't really doing anything for you. Oh yeah, you know? absolutely. I saw they Why had. Are the, we here? They had the Lucky Charms. <laughs> <laughs> they had the Lucky Charms. Let me find it. They had the only What's marshmallows. Wrong with us? <laughs> That's gross. Right. The hell? Truly. I cannot imagine wanting that. Like, as a kid, with the mar- the Lucky Charms, I was always like, dang, I wish there were more marshmallows. But, like, if it's all marshmallows, then I I don't know. I don't think you're supposed to eat all marshmallows. I think what you're supposed to do is you're, gonna, you're supposed to put them in another cereal that's kind of boring, like, like cornflakes or something. I feel like the point, right, and this is the thing I feel very strongly about food, and then eventually we'll get back to the point, mm-hmm. is just that people don't really appreciate contrasting textures. Mm-hmm. They're like, here's a dish with some meat in it. What if I put more meat in it? Mm-hmm. And what if I just put more and more meat in it? And that's how you end up with steaks. Right. And I like, I've said this before, this is a very strong feeling. This is a joke, but it's a strong feeling I have. Mm-hmm. If I just don't trust anyone whose favorite food is steak. Mm-hmm. I think they're unambiguously boring people. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. This is really like, maybe this is still in. We l- listen. We, we have. I, it's funny because Rock and I we had this whole plan of like, all right, it's our first, it's our first podcast back in over a year. Let's play. We were, we were, we had this whole conversation before about what we're gonna do, and now we're just gonna launch into it about steaks. <laughs> And I think that's okay. I we're think we're going to allow about, ourselves to do it. I feel like this is going to be like very indicative of our future plans or something. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> but I think the two of us have a combined foresight of like three feet. The two of us together, we can almost approximate one functioning prefrontal cortex. That's true. Um, so I, I think my problem, right, mm-hmm. is my prefrontal cortex, it's not like I don't have have like impulse control mm-hmm. or like thoughts it's just that they're all like clustered into this bucket that's labeled anxiety Ah. and then i like if i get rid of the bucket i get rid of all of my impulse control it's like it's not great that's a joke anyway back to the main point back to the main side point (laughs) i've been thinking about this a lot because i watch a lot of cooking youtube videos that's like the thing i've that's one of the things i've been doing um because it's like lower intensity than like watching anime sure um in a way mm-hmm. uh, that's not true i still watch but i'm framing this wrong this segment we'll, we'll get into it we'll get into the anime this whole, but anyway what i'm trying to say is um i think it's interesting how much cooking youtube just revolves around steak mm-hmm. and how many cooking videos are just people being like i braised a steak in a bucket of butter like why like 
Why do you all just cook the most boring sh- It's It's just like, I don't really... Have you seen the steak and the mac and cheese sauce? I don't really have anything against steaks in particular. I just feel like it's just a slab of meat. And the world is full of so many more interesting things than just a slab of meat. Um, That's not true. I feel like that's sort of a disservice because another thing that I've finally started to appreciate Mm -hmm. after a long time of not like really liking it is like sushi. Mm-hmm. I've finally reached the point in my life where I'm able to appreciate and olives. You know how they are like when you're a kid, they're like, you will only like olives when you're an adult. Mm-hmm. I'm now an adult. I get it. You're an adult <laughs> and you get it. I guess my my only thing about steak is the thing that frustrates me. It's not necessarily steak because I like steak. Um, the thing that frustrates me about steak is uh, people that like it, I feel like don't necessarily like steak. They use steak and how it's prepared as like a proxy for like gatekeeping and like probably cl- what can be described as classism. I'm not really sure. I haven't thought this out, so I don't want to use big <laughs> words. I only want to use small. We're words. really getting into. We're really getting into the it. politics of, of steak, of steak and food. But like, I feel like steak is one of those things that gets privileged because giant slabs of meat are pretty expensive. Right. But I just feel like. Regardless of like how you like your steak, if you like it like medium or like medium rare, or, like well done or whatever, right? Realistically, that's just a personal preference, right? Spoken like someone who throughout high school was constantly made fun of for liking steaks well done. Um, yes, that's true. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Spoilers. It was me. Um, so like realistically, it doesn't actually matter, right? But when you're out with people, yep. what do you do? You get the steak medium. The reason why you get the steak medium is because you get the steak well done. It doesn't even matter if you like it and nobody else likes it. What that says is that you're not a person that understands that culturally you're not supposed to order steak well done. Right? It has nothing to do with the way it tastes. Like, absolutely not. You can argue if you, all you want about how, like, oh, well, you know, if you cook it this way, then it has this much juices or this little juices or this firmness or that firmness. But no, it's just knowing knowing that in this cultural circle you order steak this way right and like all like basically all food is like that like that's a bit of an exaggeration okay not all food but all snooty food i agree okay all snooty food right like knowing which fork to use at the dinner table all that 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 just exists so that people who don't know which fork to use uh You know what I mean. You know what I'm saying. Everyone knows what I'm saying. I'm going to stop talking. Anyway, back to where we've been with our lives. Uh, Uh, Let's keep going. We're we're, we're off. We just got off it. Nice, 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 nice. Um, Also, um, anyway. So, yeah. So, that's sort of been happening. Um, We've been dealing with our own issues, which is to say I've been dealing with my own issues. And we've just sort of been trying to vibe, and one thing that's just been true of this, I guess, like, to get a little bit into it, there's been, like, a solid chunk of, like, time when I was just sort of, like, I kind of want to do this, but also I don't want to do it because I feel like I have nothing meaningful to contribute and I'm just the hanger on. Um, That's not true. Yeah, you could say that, Um, and it might be true, but it's just a hard feeling to, like, just get over Mm -hmm. and i've sort of decided to just get over it and just not think about it 
Have you ever self-selected out of your own podcast? Riveting stuff. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's my life. Um, You know that it's not... It's not CWT if you're not here. That's that's always been my opinion. I hope so. Anyway, all of that notwithstanding, um, another reason it's just sort of like been a while is because there's no real reason to like rush it, right? That's also true. Um, all of us are, well, I say all of us think there's like Jim. Like a whole team. Uh, like we have an editor. Well, like. Well, I, mean, I guess we stochastically got Panda to edit some. Jim Marakovitz. The ghost of anime's... Pa- I don't even know why I'm making that. That like That's not a... Okay, cool. Good job, team. Good job, team. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is... In, it's just sort of been like... There's no reason to rush it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to put pressure on ourselves to like, make this happen. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like a thing that happens. Yeah. And when it happens, it happens. You know? mm-hmm. I suppose what's happening right now is... It's happening... Mm-hmm. Question mark. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's happening after some time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happening. So that's that's our quick uh, life slash work update. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a funny joke that happened off screen that I'm going to tell you all. Um, in that we got on call a little bit earlier and we like created a list of notes. Yeah. Um, and then Mo had to do something. And then he came back and he was like. I forgot what we were, what we planned to talk about. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wrote notes. And they took Going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this whole page. There are two lines at the top. <laughs> Those are the notes. Those are the notes. So we're basically we're getting Jesus. there. Uh, I, I that, was was that was a lead in. That was a that was a lead in to like justify an artificial lead in into. So tell me about content creation and the pursuit of the algorithm. It's the worst lead-in <laughs> Okay, no, we've definitely done worse lead-ins. That's for sure. Um, I've done really bad ones. You know what? No, it works. Yeah, sure. See, I, I feel like we can't call this a bad lead-in because I got to tell a funny story to, like, introduce the lead-in. Mm. Um, it was an entertaining lead-in. I would... All right, 7.8 let's, let's, let's add. Okay, okay, let's, content, let's, content. Let's try, let's, let's try again. Let's try again. Um... So, as you know, in addition to, like, me doing... I've been working on some stuff. I've been, like, trying to write again. I've been working on music. I've been, like, idly practicing drawing. All of that's been happening. And Mo, as you know, has been, like, working on his YouTube. I have. Um, and he's been making new content. Tell me about what that's like. How's that for a lead-in? Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> a better lead-in. Okay. That's, See, that's, yeah, uh, that's better. Okay. I'll, I'll just get into it. We're not editing the other one out. Oh yeah, no, we're absolutely not. That's that's staying in for sure. Um, it's interesting. Professionals. It's interesting for sure because we were talking. Uh, it's okay if we mentioned the Super High Patch World video, right? I think it's a great I video. Think, yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, because we watched. Uh, there's a video. Uh, I watched and I sent. It yeah, to you. yeah. Rog watched first, and then I watched it. Um, it's a video by Super High Patch Wolf on like youtube like course people like influencer courses and it's like like all these people who like claim to be able to teach you how to like get views on youtube and stuff like that um and basically how they're all pretty much scams um and it's like a great video yeah Um, it's like an awesome video Uh, yeah but it's also 
I do this kind of interesting, like as like a it's hashtag. antithetical to you yes. as a person. <laughs> well, not really antithetical. It's more like as a hashtag small creator. It was it was interesting to watch um, because it was sort of pitched, I think, by somebody. Who, I mean, Super Eye Patch Wolf has like a million something subs, right? So by somebody who's who's by and large successful on the platform to an audience of people who by definition are not content creators because most people on platforms are not content creators, right? And, and, and I mean, this is like not his fault. He interviews like a lot of content creators, both like big, big and small about like how uh, making content makes him feel and all that stuff. So it's not like he did not try to address this, um, but like still like the, like the fundamental disparity of like what's going on in that video. Um, it, it was just sort of interesting to me in like my experience. Um, I guess how I've been feeling lately. Okay, so a few people know this. I think only if you've been a patron of mine for a long time and you've read every errant thought I've posted on Patreon, you'd know this. Every other normal person does not know this. But in my head, in my mind... Uh, way to gatekeep. <laughs> way to gatekeep. <laughs> Unless you're normal. Uh, but... In my mind, all of the stuff that I've ever made fits into seasons, okay? And there's, okay, so there's like, there's season one, yeah. right? I, I don't need to go into every season, but basically... No, please. At this, the moment you introduce the concept of seasons, you have to. Okay, sure, fine. We'll do it. We'll you, do it. you forsook your right to not get into the metaphor when you made it. Oh, that's true. That's a fucking weird one. It's it's weird, but it's how I've it's how I've thought about it for the longest time. Okay, so yeah. season one is just the things that I made uh, because I just felt like writing. Um, so that's uh, the very first Shield Hero thing I ever wrote, which is it has Bullshit. not been a video. No, you shall not that one. Um, uh, you insult so hard you justify slavery. That one. That one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. the first one, um, and that I missed out. That that one was that that was it was a simpler time for sure. It was a simpler time, um, but that was literally was just I, I kept ranting to you about Shield Hero, and you're like, write it. Yes, down. right. I did say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I did the Kill a Kill one, which because somebody suggested I did, I do that, right? And so I yeah. did those two, and those two did fairly well. And I was just like writing some other stuff on the blog, like different stories, like writing tips, stuff like that. Um, and I was like, okay, I can do that. Um, and then I was watching, so at the time I was watching like a lot of BreadTube and I was like getting into it. I was watching a lot of philosophy tube, stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I can do this, but like more BreadTube adjacent. Uh, and like maybe I can record the stuff and maybe I can put it on YouTube, right? Yeah. So that's now season two. So that's uh, the second Shield Hero one, which is not you ever insult so hard. A real woman don't love you, but your wife who will stick around long enough to make a profit. I love all the titles that I give, but sometimes they're a little much. Okay. They're very good. Um, and then it was also the Terraformers. One, they sound. Is, here's my thing. They sound like light novel titles, <laughs> which is you can pretend it's a compliment if you would like. I will. It's it's something. <laughs> it's something. And then there was the Terraformers one. Um, and then there's the, which was uh, the Souls of Roche book. Um, and then there was uh, Bullshit No Yusha, which um, I think was the the proof of why I feel like the 
the bread tube mentality is not great. Um, because, okay, now we're really going through tangents. I hope that's okay. I hope this will, this will work out by the time it's done. Um, but, so basically, how bread tube feels to a viewer is you have these people like Lindsay Ellis, ContraPoints, H-Bomb, uh, Philosophy Tube, Sean, and it feels like they're just sort of making videos when they want about what they want and like posting them whenever. And that's somewhat true, like to an extent. However, there's a couple of things that make it... At least for yeah, some of at them. At least for some of them. But there, there, there are some things that make it a little different. Uh, number one, a lot of these people have researchers, editors, producers, things that will make it easier on you to work that way. And number two, a lot of these people, since, they're, since so many people like them, they can post whatever they want. And people will just be like happy that they posted. I mean, there are also people who tell me that they feel that way about me, which is nuts. And they feel that way about CWT, which is also nuts. Wow. Um, but it's clearly not the same as like i feel that way about oh, you buddy but it's clearly not the same as like oh my god h-bomb posted and and believe me i am i am one of those people when h-bomb posts i'm like oh my god h-bomb posts <laughs> we just saw we just saw his uh, uh his one about like credits and like gaming the games industry is really good um there's a whole other tangent in there about how the games industry is built on blood and obfuscation yeah and we could get into it, but we then that would become it. the episode. Um, and we do, at some point, we do have to start talking about anime. Yeah, we will. We will. I promise. I, I, I will push because this is, this is getting somewhere. The whole season thing actually does get somewhere. Um, but like, the problem is, if you try to do that as an individual, what happens is you have, because, you, because you're not scheduling anything and because you're not planning anything, and this is also maybe probably ADHD a little bit, um, but like everything you work on just kind of spirals out of control, and that's what happened to Bullshit Indonesia. It spirals out of control, and it's like too much. It's like too much for you to work on, and you like never rein it in, and you like never finish, and you feel bad, right? You feel bad that you haven't finished it, um, and that just like makes it worse, and. Uh, and you take on way more work than, than, than you're, like, supposed to. And basically, I, I, like, so there was a whole stretch in between when I was supposed to work on Bullshit Indonesia. I just couldn't. Uh, because emotionally, by just, like, working on it. But, okay, but, like, the expectation that, like, every single thing needed to be, like, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Everything needed to be perfect because this, this is my magnum opus. Yeah, because it's because everything is art and self-expression, and because that's what BreadTube was. Well, maybe um, more importantly, the bullshit Noyusha that existed in your head became cooler and cooler and yes. cooler and cooler. Yes. And at some point, it became very hard to turn the cool thing that existed in your head into something that exists in material reality. Yes. And the crazy thing is... The thing that I, so the thing that I ended up making for Bullshit Noyusha is not it is not at all what I thought it would be when I started, and it's a lot worse than what I thought it would be when I started. However, people still really liked it. 
Um, and that was proof to me, not so it was proof to me to lower my standards in a good way. Not in a way that's like, oh, make bad stuff and just like, because people watch anything. But like, don't literally set impossible standards just because it's art. It's art and it's okay for it to just be like something achievable. Like, I, like something that is done and that people can actually have is better than like the thing that exists in your head. That was two. And then there was, a, there was an interstitial phase. And the interstitial phase was not a lot of stuff came Ooh, out. Interstitial. What does that word mean? Um, it means like in between part. Ooh. Um, so, so there was uh, the High Guardian Spice thing. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I, so, so the High Guardian Spice thing, I wanted it to come out like November, December. Um, but then as I was writing about it, I realized there was way more to the story than I thought. Um, it was like March or April, right? Yeah, it came out, I think, end February is when it ended up coming out. That feels very recent, even though it was quite some time ago. Yeah, and that got delayed. Uh, I also like got COVID in the middle of writing it. so A lot of stuff happened. And then I was like, oh, I'll just do a, a fast rent-a-girlfriend thing after that. And it was not fast. It was not fast. Imagine blowing half a year thinking about rent a girlfriend. That's what I did. I mean, right. I wait. You also I, did that. <laughs> wait. An enormous amount of time. Okay. So like, I'm not gonna get into it. There was a rent a girlfriend essay that might have happened at some point, but then I just like increasingly grew frustrated with myself mostly. And also, I just, like, I reached the point at which I'm, like, I'm sort of done thinking about the show. And then once I felt like I had understood it, and once I felt like I had, like, it's, like, Rent a Girlfriend was, like, a Rubik's Cube I was solving. And once I felt like I had solved it, I was, like, hmm. Okay. Okay. And then very quickly, my passion to write about it drained away. And I tried watching it again to like get back the feeling of rage that motivated writing that in the first place and it was just like i'm just tired of this now this exhausts me and so i have since like i have since acknowledged that this is probably never happening i don't think it was bad that the draft of that essay existed i mean i at least found it very helpful to think through but yeah it was there was like a even if it like never turned into like an actual uh essay like a lot of good conversations i think came from it I, i'm gonna get to the point um the point is season three after the interstitial and season three after the interstitial is um i sort of fucked myself over when i was writing the rents a girlfriend essay because i kept setting deadlines that were not super realistic what ended up happening was I was convinced that I could finish the Rent-A-Girlfriend video, right? So I was working on it. I was working on it all night. It still wasn't getting done. Um, I was working on it. I basically pulled an all-nighter. I slept for like an hour. And I woke up and I was like, I should go work out because I do that now. Other, whole other story. So I went work out. I came back. And then I edited a video for like five more hours and I like didn't eat. And then, this is all my fault. This is entirely my fault. Um, I didn't eat, and I finished the video, and I was like, we're posting this tomorrow, right? I should go eat. And I went, I went eat. I went to go eat. I slept. The video got posted. 
And like people watched it. It did really well. It did really well on the channel. It did the numbers and stuff. But was it like the thing that made me go viral? No. Right. That's sort of the disparity between the way I hurt myself to finish it and the outcome, which was just people thought it was pretty neat, um, was kind of just like, I need to like reevaluate, right? Um, so season three, current season, um, which is started with like Chainsaw Man, we have other stuff. Um, I named the, the notion group that all these are in. Um, I named it, uh, what I name it? I named it infinite growth on a finite planet, which is probably not great. Um, <laughs> but essentially, I was like, I think I want to try I want to try the actual outreach part of YouTube more, right? The actual part where you care a little more about like making titles appealing, making thumbnails appealing, choosing video topics a little bit more smartly. Because like if I'm going to, it, it, this stuff, is, it's like we said, we, um, anytime we want to do this stuff now because of the, the grad school and the work and stuff, it's going to like, it's going to take intentionality, right? Um, so I'm like, if I'm gonna have to plan it, then I should, I should maximize the chance. I should like maximize the chance of people actually like enjoying it, right? If I'm gonna plan it and if it's gonna be hard, and if I admit that it's okay that it's hard because I really like writing this stuff and I do really like writing this stuff and I really like all of you who enjoy this stuff, um, then it's like, okay, then I should actually be smart about it. Um, and that has its own, own layers of frustration. I think, I don't know. I think it's still better than the artsy fartsy stuff that I tried to do where I would just burn myself out by like not setting reasonable expectations and or boundaries. Yeah. Or boundaries. Um, it's definitely better than that. Um, but you really, really engage with like the ways in which YouTube as a platform, like, basically gamifies all of your art, right? Where um, I will write an essay and I'll be like, okay, the essay is good. And, I, and, and I'll spend like 20% of my time making the, the content good. And then 80% of it will just be like waving shiny toys in front of people's faces to get them to click on the stupid thing. And it's it sort of, I don't know, it's a little scary. It makes you almost like, like, resentful of the people who of people who like support you right because like okay so 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 i guess here's how, how i've been thinking about it lately right and because i've been forced to think about it right so now that i'm thinking a lot more about like i used to like not care about like title thumbnail stuff like that now i do and now that i've been like thinking about it like the amount of effort that i put into thinking about like okay what do i title this what do i thumbnail it uh, if this thumbnail doesn't work, what's my backup thumbnail? What's my backup title? Um, uh, trying to interpret. And the worst part is since the channel is small, I don't have like enough data to be statistically significant. So it's basically like reading tea leaves on like what the fuck people want from me. And then you do all that. And then when people do click it and they say, oh, I liked this video on whatever it was, you sort of feel like you, you as an individual, this is how it feels like. It's not actually true. But like you feel like, well, you had nothing to do with liking the video. You clicking on the video was because I basically played this game and I won by you clicking on it. 
So screw you. You don't, you don't really like it. You just like it because I put a stupid red arrow in the Kanokari thumbnail, which is true. I put a red arrow in the, like, when I changed the Kanokari thumbnail, uh, when I changed the Kanokari title, for example, um, that video did way better just by picking, a, like, a better title, right? And so now, like, when people say they like it, I'm like, well, you wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't changed the title. So do you really like it, right? Um, and that's sort of messed up. The, the people saying they liked it are just, like, being nice. Like, they're not... <laughs> It is not like a a five uh, D chess game uh, where I've colonized people's minds or whatever, or have like brainwashed them into clicking anything, right? But like, and yet that's like the way I'm forced to think about it. Um, and you can say like, well, just like disengage, just like the YouTube algorithm is a poison, huh? It's a fucking poison. It's definitely a poison. And you could say if you want, like, all you want, like, well, like, just ignore it and like. Just make what you want, right? Um, but my issue is that I did do that. It's very hard to ignore right? it. Like, I did do that, and it caused its own number of problems, right? It caused problems with, like, putting in a lot of effort uh, just for, like, a gamble on if this video is going to be successful or not, if people are going to see it, people are going to like it. So, yeah, that, that's basically the... That's, like, where my head's been. So to tie this all back into the eye patch wolf video, oh yeah, to like conclude the line, right? So I guess uh, so. So super eye patch wolf, his video ends. He basically says like, if you're a small creator, just like don't care about the numbers. Just make the just make stuff because you like to make things. That's his ending. Um, and I super desperately want to behave like this. Like, that's all I want. Like, all I want is to just write things or record podcasts because that's what I like doing. But it's, it's not, it's like easier said than done, right? Uh, because making things costs, uh, in, a, in a word, it like costs money. Not, not necessarily like actual money, but like money in the sense of it costs time, right? Time that I could be using like either going to school or going to a job or whatever, and it costs sleep, and it costs stress, even when I was not worried about the algorithm. Like, I was still, like, worried about, like, uh, like this essay is late, I promised this person that I'd make this, and I didn't make it, blah, 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 what's going to happen? And then you, you inevitably start thinking, if I'm sacrificing all of these things, then at least people should watch the things that I make, right? Or at least they should read the things that I write. There's no feeling that hurts more than the feeling that you are screaming your fucking heart out and no one can hear you. Yes. I say this as someone who has killed multiple projects. I say multiple. It was like one big one and then like some smaller things because I had that feeling. It happens. It's tough. Listen. Listen. I, I know because there are some people, they talk to me, they say like, you know, which is not, it's also nuts. They'll say like, oh, well, uh, you make me want to like write about stuff. Um, That's fucking cool. I don't want to discourage anybody. Actually, I want to encourage people. I think my life overall, despite all the stress and all the the whining that I've done, overall, this is way better than before I did this. Like You are, at least to some degree, creatively fulfilled. Yes. I, I fucking... The fact that I, find, I found a thing that I like to write about, even though it's not... Maybe I'll come back to it. When I thought about being a writer, I thought I'd be writing fiction. So 
past me would be a little bit surprised that it's this and not fiction, but um, I'm very happy about it. The only thing that I will like, I will not delude you into saying like when people say, oh, well, you know, as long as you're just happy to have made stuff, that's good enough. Um, I will tell you right now, it will not be good enough. It will fucking suck. It, it, yeah, it'll, it'll just hurt. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and that just comes with the territory. You're going to feel like shit and, you know, that's, that's fine. You're just going to have to deal with it. You either deal with it or you stop or you actually, like, get to the point where you're successful. And then even then when you're successful, you're still going to feel like shit anyway. Um, there's no escape from feeling like shit. It's just <laughs> there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like I would say, and I feel like this is an important point to make, is that these feelings are not, like, innately tied to the act of creation yes but rather to the unique pressures created by posting upon social media yes and the expectations that generates by the fact that youtube wants to sell you things Mm -hmm. and one of the things it wants to sell people who post on their platform is on the idea of oh you just need to do these things to be successful yeah right and if you don't have a YouTube account, it's impossible to know how often the analytics that you should really be ignoring are constantly and continuously shoved in your face. Yeah. Because even if you want to ignore them, YouTube desperately wants you to pay attention mm-hmm. to them. And there's only so much of that you can take before it's like, okay, let me look at how my, what, my weekly analytics are down? Mm-hmm. And then it just sort of like it cascades into a whole bunch of other things because it's never, oh, well, I guess I guess they're down. Let's move on. It's always like the gut reaction is maybe I did something wrong. Right. Maybe that's why people are leaving me. And it's not that it's not that it's so easy to say that it's not that. And it's so hard to like feelings are tough. yo. (laughs) So recently, YouTube has been recommending to me a lot of like smaller channels. And the reason why, I think it's actually because uh, I went on a Pokemon binge, actually. Um, and I kept finding more and more niche, like uh, niche uh, competitive Pokemon YouTubers that just like, like there's this one person I follow. Um, and basically all he does, well, with Scarlet and Violet, it's a little different, but like all he does generally is just uh, Generation 3 po- competitive Pokemon. And for people who are not familiar with Pokemon, uh, Generation 3 of Pokemon ended in like 2006, right? So he plays a competitive format of a kid's game that people stopped playing in 2006. And it's really interesting to me specifically. Right. And because I went down that whole rabbit hole, now YouTube understands that I am a person who will watch like a video if it has like 100 views on it or like 20 views on it or something. So I get a bunch of small channels. Right. Um, and the reason why I bring this up is like if you're just like starting out as like a creator, you sort of think that like you sort of think like, damn, why is no one clicking on my thing? Right. Like, the, do, does everyone hate me? Is everyone ignoring me? But then you sort of think about it. It's like, well. As a YouTube viewer, what's your like gut reaction when you see a video with like no views? The fact that YouTube puts the number of views in the in the on the video before you click on it is like intentional, right? 
YouTube wants you to click on things. Oh, it does, huh? <laughs> it's not? No, I said, oh, it does, comma, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I had not really thought about that until this moment. Oh, yeah. Like, um, uh, I've been on Mastodon, right? And uh, the whole other tangent, but Mastodon, basically, it doesn't show you how many likes posts have until you click on it, right? And it feels like it wouldn't be a huge change on how you engage with content, but it is. It's like massive, right? Uh, because on Twitter, if I see a post and it has like two likes, I'm like, oh, okay, I can I can ignore this, right? Um, but if I see if it, if it but if I see it has eighty five thousand likes and I'm like, oh shit, someone said something important, and then I click on it, right? Um, and it's like that with you, right? Even if your content is good, even if your title is good, even if your thumbnail is good, the simple fact that nobody has heard of you will make people less likely to want to click on your thing. Just because, just because that's what everybody does, because that's what the, that's what the entire platform trains you to do. The plat even if people don't feel like you're unimportant, the platform does its best to say, to say, to like write down hey, look, this person is unimportant. Right. And you can sense why they do this, right? Because, like, a lot of times things have no views because they're, like, you know, racist or, like, weird, right? Um, and so uh, nobody likes getting on a new platform, seeing a bunch of weird stuff, and then saying, look at all this weird stuff that's on YouTube, and then leaving. But, like, the, the unintended side effect is that... I, I, so I, I guess the, the TLDR is that, like, they will make you feel like, you know, you're just like one good title, one good thumbnail, one good hopping on a trending topic to like, if you do all that stuff, then like you'll be successful. But even then you can, you can do everything right. And people will still just decide that, that you're just like not, uh, that they don't want to like click. Right. And it's not even because you did it like you're bad. Like it's just cause like it, if I'm on the YouTube homepage, I have like a hundred different thumbnails I can click. I'm going to click one out of those hundred. It's not because any of those other videos are bad and I hate them, right? There's just so much content. And the difficult thing to really accept is that people don't care about you that much. Yeah, that's true. That's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a fucking hard thing to like really grapple with because I feel like... <sighs> More than ever, people are exposed to the attention of people they don't interact with. Like, oh, yeah. if I interact with my close friends and I'm just suddenly told, uh, you know, none of these people like you anymore, none of them want to interact with you anymore, none of them care about you because they just have other shit to deal with, that's fucking heartbreaking. If some person who, like, subscribes to me and watched a video I made one time, that's a joke because I don't make, haven't made anything, um, but if someone who, like, did that, like, suddenly stopped, like, whatever, right? <laughs> that's just how it is. That just happens. There's no reason to care about it. But you, the, the platforms will want you to care about it a lot, right? Because they want you to make videos that people want to watch. So yeah, that's the thing. Just like, I don't know, just do your best. That, that's all I'm doing. 
honestly, at the end of the day, the whole, I mean, calling it the infinite growth on the finite planet saga or season or whatever the fuck categorization that I make for myself um, is really just a way of me saying like, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying my best. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make the most out of doing the thing that I enjoy. And if you are also in the same boat or want to be in the same boat, just like, you know, just like give it, give it your shot. And, you know, it's natural to feel frustrated uh, because it's a frustrating thing, but it's rewarding. It's natural to recognize that I shouldn't care about this. And then you just like care about it anyway, because the brain will kill you. Condition. All right. So now that we're done talking about that depressing thing. Exciting. Do we have a less depressing thing? We could talk about anime. Sort of what this podcast is about. We can't. Well, that's why we made it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Normally, I think we would do like, what anime are we watching? What anime are we watching? Real quick, let's get into that. Answer that question. What anime are we watching? Yeah, okay, sure. Like, we um, watching. Um, so, uh... We, oh, together. <laughs> All right, good job, dude. We ain't watching shit. Um, Move it on. But, <laughs> uh, like, individually, we've been watching stuff. Like, obviously, I've been, uh, since I just released a Chainsaw Man video that I'm, I'm, I, I think was pretty good. Um, I've been watching and reading a lot of Chainsaw Man. That sort of pushed the other stuff I was, I was watching. Uh, so after this, I'll, I'll catch up on G-Witch. Uh, maybe, like, some Boshi to Rock. There's definitely something else I'm forgetting, but here and there. But like the interesting thing I think for us is we've definitely like evolved on like how we view uh, watching and like interacting with anime. I think part of uh, my change, I think, is that I think inadvertently based on the way I started with like criticizing Shield Hero and then like Kill a Kill and people liked it and they wanted more stuff in that vein is I feel like people see me as, like, this person that, like, morally gatekeeps anime. I It was okay when the people who didn't like me accused me of this. Like, when conservative anime fans were like, oh, are you criticizing the fact that there's child slays in this anime? Or that, that this child, this, uh... This anime sexualizes children. You're just a gatekeeper, right? Like, I can do that. But, like, when people who like me also say that, um, and I get, uh, this is not about anyone specific, but when I get, like, worried DMs about, like, people liking things even though they're problematic or uh, people will tell me that, like, they don't want to watch a video even though they like me because they like the thing that I'm criticizing and they don't want to feel bad about it. So they skip that video and stuff like that. It's like not, not my intention. Like I've never even thought about anime in those terms, right? Like if you like sh like the Rising of the Shield Hero, like unironic, I've joked about this, but like if you like the Rising of the Shield Hero, I do not think you're a bad person. Right. Um, I don't like it, and I've explained why, um, and I have articulated I think things that it like does wrong when it comes to like women, uh, when it comes to uh like the way it presents slavery and stuff like that but if you have a reason for for unironically liking it like you like the way it portrays for example 
like relationships, or you like the way it portrays struggling to come up with positives for Shield Hero here. It wasn't the best. Like you like the way it portrays like revenge or like persecution, whatever it is, and you can articulate that. I feel like we can talk about maybe another different example is Code Geass. That's probably a better one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like Code Geass. Yeah, Code Geass is a little bit because Shield Hero also has it has the added benefit of like, um, people will use problematic anime like that to like bother people to like needle them and that i think is wrong like when you pick out like redo of healer because you know it'll make a woman upset like that's when you're being a bad person because you're being like malicious but if we take something like code geass for example when we criticize code geass on like um the way it treats colonialism that's just like interesting for us right we're not saying that if you like code geass you're a bad person who hates palestinians that's not the point in, in fact, even, even like, especially in the second season, I think we both agreed that it was, like, fun, right? It was, like, a fun show to watch. It's fucking hilarious. It was hilarious. But even, like, like, the Euphemia moment where she has the blood and she's, like, kill all the Japanese, that's gold. <laughs> that's so funny, right? And like, yeah, like it's it's got like characters and stuff, and it's got like cool moments. It's not it. We're all we're saying is that like, if you look at it based on what we know about how colonial movements actually work, there's a lot of like really interesting disconnects that like don't work. That's all we're saying. That has nothing to do with if you're like a good or bad person. Yeah, I guess if I was to say a thing, right? Because I've been thinking about this for a while. I think there are basically like things, right? In the sense of like the fact that Code Geass is really, we'll say, really bad politically, right? Mm -hmm. That's just a thing that's true about it. Yeah. Right? And your overall appreciation of Code Geass can have little to do with that or a lot to do with that, right? Right. But it's just a quality of the work, right? Whether or not Code Geass is good or bad in those nebulous, uncertain terms is sort of like tangential, not tangential, but it's like, it's literally just how much does this matter to you? Cool, let's move on. <laughs> right. Right? There's no that's not the thing mm -hmm. and i have this sort of frustration um with the ways in which ah but the politics of the show are the thing in capital t h e letters like that's not mm -hmm. that's such a reductive way to view it and i also feel like on the other end like just ah but just be because it's not the thing it's completely fucking unimportant like no, mm -hmm. no that's not that's also not true right it's just like it's a thing right like just because it's like it's not the thing doesn't mean like we shouldn't talk about it and we will continue to talk about it that's the whole conceit of our show right yeah but like is just a thing right it's like how how important it is that code Geass is really fucking weird <laughs> Uh, is entirely yours to determine. And just like as a sidebar, that episode is more an excuse to talk about and to raise like awareness about Palestine than it is how you should feel about Code Geass, right? Because if you if you know at the time that it came out, like Israel had just done another fucking uh, 
bombing raid uh, yeah, on Gaza, yeah. and they killed a lot of people. And we just wanted to to use the show that we had been watching, and that had like a lot of like similarities to like the actual real world phenomenon. It uses a lot of the same rhetoric yeah. that a lot of people use to talk about real world occupation. And not in a way that makes it come out smelling particularly good. Right. And so it it was more just like, you like anime? Use this anime to think about this thing that's happening. Than any sort of condemnation of anyone who like happens to like Code Geass. Like, it's not like right. the worst fucking thing ever. It, it's really not. I... Um... I will say, like, while I'm here, just to, like, damage my credibility permanently, I'm a huge Bleach fan. That's, like, unironically mm. one of the anime that was formative to my taste. I love that show. Mm. I think it's great. And now it's back. It's back. And now other people also apparently like it. This is weird. This would have been, like, more mm. funny to say if I had, like, talked about this before Thousand Year Blood War apparently is, like, mm. doing okay for itself. I don't know, right? Bleach is a show that has a lot of problems. I will not dispute this, right? And if someone is talking mm-hmm. about Bleach's problems, I'm not going to yell at them to shut up because it's like, it's true. I love it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I like, I have no shape. Yeah, and you like have your reasons and you can articulate them and that's fine. And it can be just like a conversation. It's right? fucking cool. <laughs> cool. It's great. Love it. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can just be like a conversation where, I guess, I guess what I all I've wanted to do really is just like, um, because when when I started doing this, my problem was not necessarily that like uh, people were liking things that were problematic. My problem was more so that you couldn't even like enter this into the conversation, right? Like, people were talking about, for example, Shield Hero, and you couldn't bring up how weird it was about its female character. You can't talk about the fact that Shield Hero, like, tries to justify slavery without someone being, like, how dare you, like, poison the well and bring politics into our anime discourse. Yeah. How dare you, like, try to talk about shit. And, like, I don't know. So, like, I'm going to be very fucking blunt here. The fact that there's uh-huh. the show is trying to justify slavery is a deal breaker. Like it's not okay, right? <laughs> it's not okay. It's it's a deal breaker for me for sure. I couldn't if if you like Shield Hero, we'd we'd have an interesting conversation for sure. I don't know. It depends on why. I don't think we would see eye. It it would de- it would depend on the person. It would depend on the thing. It's it's more complicated than that. I guess here's the other thing, right, that I've felt like to just fully pull off of this point, right, mm-hmm. is that someone's taste in anime is not, like, the defining trait of that person. Yeah. If if you, like, do organizing work and, like, leftist work or, or are, like, just generally a cool person, I do not care which anime you like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me. I'm sure, like, we could it'll affect the number of conversations we can have about anime Mm -hmm. but beyond that it doesn't matter and in the same way if you're like i only watch anime that are good but like watching a bunch of anime that you think are good 
and good morally is not like the thing that makes you a good person if you are otherwise an asshole. Period. <laughs> End of story. I'm done. You can't like. It, yeah. It's sort of it's sort of like minor actually. So I just feel like I don't know. There's no point in being all like high and mighty about it. So so I guess like to sum up, there's like a couple of problems. Like first, it's just like reductive. Correct. Uh, second, I'm apparently making people feel guilty, which is not what I want to do. And third. It becomes difficult to actually talk about politics in anime because, ironically, you never actually get to the political part because everyone's too busy thinking about if they're personally good or bad to talk about like the point that you actually want to make about like code chaos or whatever. Since since then, I've just sort of like stopped. Like I've stopped. Like I, what I used to do, I used to do like. And I might bring back these threads. I used to do these Twitter threads, right? Where I would review as many anime as I could. And I would highlight maybe, like, if there was something that was good, I would watch it. Like, Moriarty Patriot was pretty awesome. Or there was, like, something bad. Uh, I forgot there was this one show that, that ended up kind of creepy. It was, like, airing alongside Sunny Boy. I'll, I'll, I'll remember later. Um, and I would, like, review them. I'd do that stuff. And I stopped, one, because it was, like, a lot of work to watch all the anime. Um, but also, it just gets kind of monotonous. Like, unless unless the show is bad in, like, an interesting way, I'm, like, no longer really interested in just, like, saying the same things. Like, the big CWT lore, you're over hate-watching. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, look, here's another seasonal anime that has, like, forgettable female characters. Um, I, I, I much prefer the thing that Anifem does, which they will watch every episode one, and then they'll be like, this one doesn't have potential, and then they'll just like stop watching it, right? Because uh, that's really all you need, and they provide a great they provide a great service to everyone else who can just watch the things that are actually interesting, right? I am a person, and I will watch an episode, and I will just trust my instinct about the episode, and then if someone tells me I'm wrong, I will try again. Um, I have not been wrong in a while. They're not wrong, folks. They're literally never wrong. When I say I have not been wrong in a while, I don't mean in the sense of um, any show I watch, I like, I can tell whether it's a quote-unquote good show or a quote-unquote bad show. I just, like, if my first impression of a show is that I won't like this, I I have not been wrong, and it's turned out that I like it, I like it later. The big show that I've ever, the only show I've ever really, like, that's not true. It's not the only show, but the big show that I've like felt like I had to reevaluate lately is um, that show, Talentless Nana. Yeah. I feel like I was too hard on that That's show. Same. That's because... the same. You and me both. I feel like I was too hard on that show because the first episode of the anime was not like it. It felt weird to me, and then a bunch of people liked it, so I was like, I don't know. Let me just read the whole manga in a single sitting. That was not conducive to giving me the best impression of Talentless Nana. And that, mm. since Talentless Nana happened, I've seen a lot of shows that have been in like, the same tonal space as Talentless Nana, and Talentless Nana is better than all of those shows. Mm-hmm. That is my feeling. Um, or at least I've liked it a lot more. So that's the yeah. one show I would say I've like really felt I've had to reevaluate. But generally speaking, I'm just like, for a while, I've been the sort of person 
It wasn't like this when we started the podcast, actually, because I was also like hate watching a lot. But mm. at this point, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, there's just so much to do. <laughs> there's so much to do. I could be writing right now. I could yeah. be writing right now. I could be making music right now. Mm. I could be doing a number of things other than watching something I know I won't enjoy. I simply like cannot muster up the energy or will for it. Yeah. I think overall, just like hate watching less. I think by the nature of what I do, I will probably still hate watch a little more than you. But just like, it's got to be interesting, right? Like, I... It's got to at least fuck up in a fun way. Like, I thought, like, I, 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 I carried out the, the Rent-A-Girlfriend essay because it, it's like, it's not like just that the show is sexist but it's like sexist in very particular and pervasive ways that are like that were fun for me to talk about i think rent a girlfriend as a whole is just so fascinating Mm. because once you see it as like an exercise in commodification and Mm. the thing i think that i think is really interesting about the show and the thing i keep trying to write about and then everyone's Mm. written about it all of a sudden i'm like so what am i doing here (laughs) is basically or actually i don't know but basically this idea of realism yeah it just fucking gets me yeah the way in which the show really tries very hard to frame what it is as being realistic realistic when it's not it's 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 a fantasy right it's a fantasy both ways right fantasy in the sense that chizuru would ever put up with someone like kazuya but also a fantasy in the way in the sense that like uh if if you're a dude that feels like you can't get a girlfriend your fantasy is also that that you're screwed right like incels will basically fantasize about being too ugly to be dateable right and it's like not true most of them just look like normal dudes right but they need that for like their their like worldview right because if it's true that you can like you know you can get a haircut you can get some hobbies you can just like present yourself better you can put yourself out there more and maybe a girl will actually find you attractive that means you have to go through the emotional work of getting rejected a bunch you have to go through the emotional work of overcoming your social anxiety you have to confront the fact that maybe part of the reason why people don't like you is because of your personality right and that hurts and rent a girlfriend will offer you the fantasy that it's none of that. You really are just unfuckable. And you really do just need a rental girlfriend, right? The, uh, the, a common defensive rental girlfriend is basically like, but Kazuya is sad and a piece of shit. So how could this be a wish fulfillment fantasy? Mm-hmm. And the answer is very, very, very fucking simple, right? Mm-hmm. It's Kazuya is sad and a piece of shit to make it easier for you, the viewer, to project yourself onto him. Mm-hmm. The sad thing is, people can't really imagine themselves as Kirito anymore. I don't know why I'm saying anymore. Things haven't really changed, yeah. right? But no, that, that's a point. That, that's a good point. But at some point, like, Kirito as a wish-fulfillment f- protagonist ceased to really be, like, believable. Yeah. You can no longer fantasize about, oh, man, if I was Kirito, I'd be getting all of these hot babes. Because you can't imagine that you're Kirito anymore. Exactly. You just can't. Right, And when you hit the point at which you can't imagine that you're that guy, the idea of here's a piece of shit who gets to spend a bunch of time around hot ladies all of a sudden becomes way more appealing. Because that, because here's someone you can imagine yourself as. When you have that shitty self-esteem, it's 
way easier to believe that, hey, here's Kazuya who has like a bunch of things fall into his lap as opposed to, hey, here's Kirito who has at least theoretically likable traits. So yeah, just I, I brought that up just to say that like, right? That's like, that's an example of something that is like interesting. It's bad in an interesting way. But if it's just the generic, like, oh, these female characters don't get a lot of screen time, or oh, there's fan service here, then I'm just like no longer interested in even like cataloging that. At you this know? point, you've like you filled your trash bins, like ah, but this is just it's like the trash encyclopedia, and it's like ah, but you see, this is just like this other show, and there's just one entry in the encyclopedia, and it's all of them. And I hope that like. If I find more shows like like Chainsaw Man, like Gundam Witch, like just like shows that actually do things that are interesting and I talk about those instead, maybe people will finally stop putting me in the box as of like anime gatekeeper that I do not want to be in. People will never stop putting you in that box. They won't. I know they won't. Uh, but I will I will try my best to get out of that box uh, because it is a stifling box that ironically stops me from actually doing any anime gatekeeping because you can't even talk about politics in that box, right? Um, but I was just going to say, I'm trying to watch more mm-hmm. anime. I, it's, it's been a thing for a while. Um, so this is my dark, dark secret. Mm-hmm. I, when I was watching anime, right, growing up, right, in middle school, high school, right, I would watch anime on my iPod at like 11 p.m. when I was supposed to be asleep. Um, that's part of it. Um, and the way I would always watch things. I, this may have come up at some point. I don't like movies. I don't like movie theaters. I just like I cannot sit still for that long. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I hate not being able to control like the pace at which I watch things. And I sort of developed this bad habit when I was watching anime at this time in which I would just, like, skip through the episode a lot, right? I would, like, uh-huh. watch a watch a few minutes of the scene, and I would, like, move forward 30 seconds. And I would just move forward. And so by the end, within, like, half an hour, I had seen, like, two or three episodes, right? Had I really seen mm-hmm. him? Not really. But I just, like, I was so... I wasn't able to, like, sit still and watch the whole episode from start to finish. Um... And that hasn't really changed. Um, one thing that's come up sometimes is that I don't really watch anime alone. Like, I've never sat in my room and just turned on an episode and just watched it. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I sort of don't, right, and the reason I sort of didn't for a while is because whenever I tried to, I'd end up doing this reflexively. I'd just, like, skip through. <laughs> um, it's just, like, it, it's a thing. Um, I've recently come to acknowledge this as two things. One, I was watching a lot of stuff that I thought I should be enjoying, but didn't actually like. Um, And two, it's just like a natural factor of the way my brain works, is that when I'm watching YouTube, I usually have like three or four different videos open simultaneously. And I'll watch a little bit of one, and then I'll move to another and watch a little bit of that. That's just how I work. That's just how my brain works. That's just how I process. And so, like, 
part of trying to watch anime more is just sort of like recognizing how I can wield that impulse to like actually watch things because it's the list of things I need to watch keeps getting longer and longer and longer and I can only watch so many things with friends at a time right uh, and also it's just hard to like schedule time with people nowadays other things have been going on with me I haven't really been watching that much anime as you might have imagined given the previous situation about my viewing habits but i have been reading a lot more korean manga Ooh, tell me about it i don't want to that's the whole tangent we could be here for hours okay that's the whole tangent. i don't really feel like being here for hours <laughs> i read manga too a lot like that's just generally like it's i read a lot because i like really like reading and that's just how my that's the thing that's acceptable to my brain because one great thing about reading is you can read until you're sort of like tired of reading and you can go do something else and then you can very easily pick up back where you left off. It's great. So you can like read like a paragraph, do something, come back, read the next paragraph, do something, come back, read the third paragraph. That's That works for me. <laughs> it just works for me. Um, and also like if you're feeling it, you can just go through the whole thing. Um, it's a very at your pace sort of medium. If you're like feeling super fast, you can like go really fast but if you're not feeling super fast you can go really slow um that's just anyway those are my two notes there another thing i've been thinking about a little bit i don't know how else has have my tastes about media changed i've seen a lot more shows that i wouldn't have thought i would have liked when i was a child um including but not limited to sunny boy utana and penguin drum and those are all shows that, at this point, I treasure very, very, very dearly. I think they're all wonderful, um, and they mean a great deal to me. And I think part of it is just, like, I used to be very frustrated with the way anime talk about mysteries um, and ambiguity. And I've since come to the conclusion that I feel like there are certain things I, I like, I desire from a show at this point, right? One reason I like Sunny Boy and the other shows I've mentioned is that for me, it feels like a kaleidoscope, right? You can hold it in your hands. The metaphors are like, you can sort of look at it and you can think about it for a very long time. And yes, I am still thinking about it, right? Penguin Drum is so dense and it has a lot of imagery, but the imagery is never so crude as to a one-to-one mapping. I think this because I see every once in a while there's like a YouTube video and it's like analysis of X, right? And the analysis of X basically feels like someone did a control F, control R, right? They found every instance of the word bear and they replaced it with the word like soldier. And they're like, I have decoded this anime. Yeah. I mean, part of that is definitely, I think like I say in the, the Chainsaw Man vid, like, the sort of like 12th grade English class definition of like media analysis where you're like looking for metaphors and like what things represent and like the true meaning behind the author. Like, I think another part of it is that there are a lot of anime that are just that shallow. Oh yeah, that's 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 definitely true. And they make for good uh, YouTube video essays. They've trained people to sort of interact with media analysis as this form of cryptography which i just vehemently despise 
because I feel like, especially with Sunny Boy, that was the show that really caused these feelings to metastasize. Because I was looking at the way some people were talking about Sunny Boy, and it irritated me. Because people were like trying to explain where the monkeys came from. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can you miss the point so thoroughly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's. We're trying to say, like, what the monkeys, like, represent, like, in a one-to-one sort of... Like, I think especially when I think about shows like Sunny Boy and Penguin Room, they're shows that are dense with metaphor and dense with ambiguity. But the metaphor and the ambiguity serves a point in that it creates a lot of different angles to view the show through, right? Right. It's purposeful because you can really explore these shows, you can really think about them. You can chew, chew on them, or as I like to say, it's like a kaleidoscope. You can roll it around in your palms. And then there are other shows that are like, I have handed you a Rubik's Cube. And yes, you can solve the Rubik's Cube, but once you've solved it, like, what are you going to do? Like, that's it. Right. It's done. Or worse, a show that hands you a solved Rubik's Cube. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't feel smart. <laughs> <laughs> or even worse, I think my least favorite type of show is a show that like hands you a locked treasure chest. And I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Like, mm-hmm. yes, technically speaking, there's a mystery or a metaphor. But there's no there's nothing to think about. There's nothing to think about. Right. Right. It's simply that information is being withheld until the show deems it appropriate to tell you. Right. Right. And I hate that sort of show. That's the thing I've like understood about myself. Right. I really dislike it when that's what I, when that's like what it means. Cause there's no room for, and there's no real room for introspection or thought or analysis. It's simply wait for the show to tell you the answer great fuck you (laughs) we watched black lagoon after we started the podcast yeah yeah that was one of the first things we did well that was great we did a black lagoon episode at the very beginning but i think we might i we we at least might have started it before it might have been the first one black lagoon is one of the shows that that really gets i think black lagoon and akadama drive are basically the same show that's not true um that's not even close to true. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's a. I mean, it's a. It's a take that is. If you squint, it's still not true. But something magical happens when you squint. <laughs> it's 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 a take that it's it is like I would say a very Bragova take in the sense that I say it and it doesn't mean what I say it means. But it. But I feel like you understood what I was getting at. In right, the sense right. of Black Lagoon and Akadama Drive are both shows that are like really complex and doing a lot and thinking about a whole lot of stuff. And yet the popular discourse around the both of them for a long time was it's the dumb fun show. Um, yeah. But it's not. Like there's so much there. Mm-hmm. Black Lagoon's thinking about a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like, there's a lot to think about when you rewatch Black Lagoon, right? Like, yes, obviously you can enjoy it on a purely visceral level, and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. In fact, a great strength of Black Lagoon is that you can enjoy it on a purely visceral level. But there's so much going on there to like just be like, ah, it's the dumb fun show where they like shoot mm-hmm. torpedoes at helicopters. Like, yeah, I mean they do, but that's not. Yeah, they do, and it's sick. That's not the whole thing. 
I mean, and it has Revy in it, you know, it's Revy, but like. I remember when I started talking about Black Lagoon, because prior to having, starting recording this, Mo and I were talking about anime in general and the way they talk about abuse. Oh, yeah. Um, And the way I think, like, works in general are really bad at talking about abuse. I like it when shows can touch on dark material in a way that feels, like, honest and, like, Mm -hmm they actually understand what it's like to go through these things. And I don't like it when a show introduces dark material and it feels like they're just doing it for suffering points. They're like, once character A receives five suffering points, they'll level up and evolve. Like, Right. <laughs> I think our, our example was, unfortunately... Well, not unfortunately for you, because you never liked it, but... Fortunately for me, because I was pulling for that show, Ranking of Kings. I Ranking of Kings was that was an interesting time because we watched the first episode together, and yeah. I went, I can't stand this. I don't want to watch it anymore. And I like gave the second episode. We gave the second episode a chance, and I was like, the show is not good. And then I gave up on it, and I never watched it again. And I realized this is my thing. I think I was talking. I forget to who earlier. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's my hottest take. Like, unironically, I think my hottest take is that I never liked Ranking of Kings. <laughs> I, like, just didn't. <laughs> and I know, and it's like, it's not, and I'm not saying that as a point of, like, moral superiority or anything, because I know mm-hmm. that for a lot of people, it means a whole lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am just not in Ranking of Kings' target audience, and I accept that. I'm cool with that, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm not really trying to be, like, dismissive of anyone to whom it like is super meaningful or anything um like it's just a show whatever <laughs> but i can't say that it's just not my, i i don't like it <laughs> there's like two ranking of kings right i think there's like the people who worked on the anime that like works with the japanese oh, we never did a ranking of kings episode we never did because that was during the year-long hiatus that's true damn that would have been a great episode, though. Because I was still thinking about this. Because I was like, oh, like we talked about previously, right? Mm-hmm. My problem with Ranking of Kings arises in the second episode, really, mm-hmm. when it turns out that there are basically two hillings mm-hmm. in the first ep- in the episode, right? Yeah. In yeah. the first episode, the show bends over backwards to make it clear that everyone hates him. Yeah. No one likes him, and he has no friends. He has no friends. His family hates him. And in the second episode, that's just not true. It's just fundamentally not true. Mm -hmm. And so the point at which I was like, huh, this show is just sort of like inventing contrivances to make me feel sorry for him. Mm -hmm. I was out. Mm -hmm. I'm out. I can't stand it. I can't do it because it doesn't feel... And this is like a weird thing for me. I obviously have no idea what the creator was thinking about. Maybe they've been through a lot. Mm -hmm. um, And it's not really my place to be dismissive of it. Mm -hmm. But for me, on a personal level, speaking purely subjectively, I did not feel like... I felt like someone was like tear baiting me Mm -hmm. in a way. And I don't like it when people tear bait me. Because I do cry very easily. Mm -hmm. Um, And I cry at like some very... I cry at a lot of places where other people don't cry. Mm -hmm. I simply acknowledge this. But I don't... But but I also don't cry 
when someone I don't cry when people are telling me to cry. I don't like I don't cry when someone is like, all right, and now I'm playing the sad music. Building up to tragic backstory. I've put mm. five points of suffering into it. All of his friends are dead. His lover betrayed him. I'm like, come on. This just feels artificial. Mm-hmm. Right? Go back to telling me stories about broken dreams. That hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I was saying is that I think there's basically like sort of, if you watch the anime specifically, there's kind of two ranking of kings. I think there's the people who worked on the anime, I think saw the story of like Bochi, like overcoming disability and like, and they really wanted to bring that out as much as it's there in the text. Um, so they used like the plot points that were in the manga to try and really sell that, like really make it sad when he's being discriminated and make it happy when he comes back. Um, but then there's the fact that the source material was written by like an, a Japanese fascist who like hates Korean people um, and whose only real problem with the setup that he created was that Boji was unfairly put below people that he should be colonizing, right? Um, that was never really like sincere about any like the disability stuff. It was really just it really just wanted like a persecuted protagonist. And right? I will argue that bleeds through. And I think it's also mm-hmm. it's interesting to note that the conceit of ranking of kings is that this guy is supposed to be super strong, but his super physical strength was unjustly taken away from him. Yeah. It's interesting that that's the way it's talking about disability. Not that not that disability doesn't define you and that people can be disabled and still be very cool and still like do a lot of shit, right? It's that this guy shouldn't be disabled. He's not supposed to be disabled Mm -hmm. that's the philosophy of the show i would argue that that bleeds through in the beginning but maybe that's just me my own personal taste Nah, like looking back at it again it definitely bleeds through that's definitely me with hindsight uh if you had asked me when it was starting i wouldn't have believed you (laughs) but then when i saw the i did not it's true that's what happened we talked about it (laughs) that's exactly what happened um, but then when that episode came out and people had the, um, the comparisons between like the colonized village and the story and like actual pictures of like Korea before industrialization, it was like over. Like after that, I was like, damn, <laughs> they were right. But also just like, first A, they were right. But B, also just like all the weird stuff that I kind of been ignoring until now just like clicked. I was like, Oh, the reason why there's this weird stuff is because the show is not interested in the things that it says it is. Like again, it's the persecution is not really a full exploration of disability. It's, we can only say an excuse, you know? Yeah. We, we brought this up because we were talking a bit about, uh, chainsaw man. I'm not sure if this will still be, uh, relevant but at time of recording the the big thing on chainsaw man twitter is kobeni and how some people uh some of the anime only people don't really like her that much um and so i guess should i go into it it's 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 bit spoilers right i guess mild spoilers for chainsaw man we'll go too into it but um 
essentially there's this character so like uh there there are a bunch of devils uh manifestations of human fears and there's a division of the Japanese government called public safety and they go around killing the devils and there's an employee Kabeni um and she uh basically has anxiety she's like a really she's not a, an awful devil hunter she can do her job she keeps her job she can fight and kill things she's just super scared while doing it all the time right and the first time she meets the protagonist uh they fight a devil that says if you kill the protagonist I'll let I'll I'll let you go and she's like, "Well, time to kill this dude." Right? That's like her first thing, right? She's not like super enthused or anything, but yeah. She is putting her own survival ahead of the person the protagonist is deems to root for or the viewer is uh conditioned to root for. There we go. Yeah, Good work. the the reader, yeah. And so, uh initially and this ha- also happened to me too. Uh I did not uh I, I, I didn't really like her that much, right? Because, like, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on Denji's side. It's, like, the Denji story. Um, and then we learned a little bit more about her. Um, and uh, it's her, it basically turns out she's, like, she's from, like, an abusive family, right? Um, and she works both because her family's poor and also because her parents are making, uh, are making her. And then when she finally quits the devil hunting job, you kind of feel happy for her. Um... But then you learn that she just got her job working for her parents, and so she's just get she's just getting abused like basically every day now instead of having that time where you leave the abuse to go to work. Um, so she's just like it's just a bad time for her. It's a bad time, um, and it's a little relatable. It's a little sad um, for different people for different reasons. Um, and I, the reason why we brought it up, I guess, is. A lot of stories that have people who are abused, they will say, yes, the abuse is bad, blah, blah, blah. But they will like subtly imply that the abuse victim was somehow better off because they were abused, right? Like you'll have a lot of characters that were abused. All of this hardship made me stronger. Yeah, either it made them stronger is the one or it made them nicer is the other thing, right? Because they were abused, they understand what it's like and they treat everyone around them with extra kindness, right? And doing that doesn't automatically make a story bad, but it's sort of refreshing to have a story where you have an abuse victim and she's just like an anxious, dysfunctional, selfish mess who's just a little unlikable. Which is not to say that that's what trauma does to everyone. But I think it right. is, I think, another interesting example. It is a thing that can happen. I think another, I, the other show that I was telling her to uh, about like just the other day was Bakemonogatari, uh-huh. which is another show that, again, like handles abuse. I think what we're, what we're really getting at beyond just, ah, it's interesting that they made her a fucking mess, is that uh, Chainsaw Man is a show that actually like tries to explore abuse yes. and handle it beyond using it as like a, like isn't a it fucked up what happens to this person? Mm-hmm. Right. Or of like a, this person suffered and now they're better. Mm-hmm. Yay. And I don't like inherently dislike any show that goes with that simplistic view because the idea that you can heal is a compelling one Mm -hmm. and something that I think people need to hear from time to time, you know? Yeah. But all the same to have works that are actually invested in not only just saying trauma sure is a thing that can happen to you 
and actually investigating and like exploring what that means right right to actually like to actually like, grapple with what the after effects of it are beyond you know it hurts for a little bit and then it goes away right mm-hmm. it's not it's not a knife wound. <laughs> yeah overall what we're what we're looking for like you know especially in this time where we're, we're just like busier than we were when we started we're just we're looking for shows either good or bad that have like that level of thought that you can like put into like that you can you can keep looking at them in and uh that you can keep looking at them at all sorts of different ways and like new things come out of it um and just like focusing on that i think it's done i think it'll do for uh, i think it'll do a lot for the for the show and also just do a lot for us as like anime fans i think it's great to have things Um, we enjoy thinking about i love it almost makes you like watching anime yeah can you imagine (laughs) almost I feel like there was a point. I'm I'm allowed to say this now that you're over your hate watching phase. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there was a point where you were an anime fan only out of obligation. I wouldn't say that's fully true. <laughs> um I will say that it was effectively true. Because so much of my time was things that I didn't like. Yep. Was like seasonals that I didn't like. Yep. That it might as well have been true. Yep. It was a whole bunch of time you spent on seasonals you didn't really like, and you didn't really find anything interesting to think or write about, but you watched because that was your brand, and you felt obligated to do so. Yes. Cool. I am glad that that is no longer the case. (laughs) Super awesome. Very happy for you. I just want to make two things clear. One, I hope people don't think that, like, I'm suffering or that when I write about this stuff now, that I, I'm not having a good time. I, I, I cannot say this enough. Um, I honestly, truly, really do enjoy doing this. Um, and my impression is, if I did not enjoy doing it, I would be smart enough to stop. Is that true? I'm not sure. I think it's true. Or at least I will I th- bully you. I, I yeah we'll, we'll we'll talk if we get to that case but we I am nowhere near that that time I and the second thing is I am not like mad at any specific like if you think that I'm talking about you when I talked about the whole like gatekeepy thing um, I really am not um, and the reason why if you think it's about you it's not uh, because like forty people did this over the past like two years so. <laughs> it can't possibly be you and part of it is also my fault uh, because i leaned into a thing that was successful without actually thinking long term right Uh, about like what that would do to like how people perceive me and also without thinking about because i know who i want to be but that is very different than like what i present based on the things that I write and put on my blog, right? The content you make, yeah. 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 So so it's like... People had an impression of you, and for better or for worse, you leaned into that impression for clicks. Yeah. For those sweet clicks. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fine with making mistakes while I'm on here, because how are you going to get better? All I'm saying is that uh, as, like, as, uh, as like, uh, an artist... 
you will constantly be changing. And it's like a feedback loop. You will make something and then you'll think about how that affected you. And then you will, you will try and like change how you think about it to make it better. Right? Whoa. Practice theory. Practice. Yeah. 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 Marxism. <laughs> Unironically, though, it's, it's true. It's the best way to think about it. Right. I agree. And yeah, and that's okay. That's just like a part of the process. And it's and it's going to be frustrating sometimes. And I don't think that's like that's a bad thing at all. I think that's just that's just part of what comes with it. And as long as we're clear on that, then I then I also agree that I think this is going to be a really good episode. I feel like the story of who we are is that and this episode is that I think over the course of this past uh, two years, we've both matured in ways that we really didn't think we would when we started this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess that's life for you, you're right? Mm-hmm. I think part of growing up is getting over the idea that, oh, you know, I'm grown up now. I'm done. I finished my character development, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that just doesn't happen. Inevitably, we are changing. Neat! <laughs> okay. We... We were originally going to, like, vamp a bit and, like, talk about other non-anime-related stuff, but it's, like, an hour and we 42 minutes in. I think we can call it. Yeah. We'll we'll do that next time. Maybe. Um, we may have... Maybe. We may have more media analysis things. We may have more anime. Um, and I think by then we'll also have, like, more anime. But, yeah. For now, thanks, everyone, so much for listening, and course for uh the patients through our hiatus um do we have a we don't do we have a frequency schedule yet we will never have one don't ask literally do not ask (laughs) i will say that the intention is shorter than a year but longer than once a week (laughs) i agree but i think that's fair I think that's fair. That's the best we can do. Thanks so much. Uh, on uh, Podbean or on YouTube, wherever you're listening to this, there will be links in the description for all the places where you can find the podcast if you want to. For me on Patreon, there will be a link for that too. Um, I use uh, the Patreon money in part to use... Okay, part of it goes to the IWW tangent, and part of it goes to Podbean so we can keep the uh, podcast running. If that sounds interesting to you, you can... You can follow me on Twitter, Mastodon, or Discord, which will all be in the description. And you can follow Raghava here, right? You can't follow me. I don't want to be followed. <laughs> don't don't follow them. Do not perceive them. <laughs> Just appreciate the greatness. I will appear every <laughs> once in a while in a position where you can perceive me. And that is where you can find me. Um, you can also find me on Discord. If you don't have my Discord, don't ask for it. Um, if you do have my Discord, you can talk to me. Uh, and with that, uh, see you next time, I guess. Bye-bye.